My debut novel, Dreams of a Damselfly, is out tomorrow, 31st of May. I'm really excited to share this and it's going to be available in Kindle and paperback formats. You can pre-order the Kindle version just now for £2.99. And if you're listening to this on or after the 31st of May, it is out now. Head over to Amazon to pick up your copy on paperback or Kindle. There are links in the description of this episode. This week on the podcast, I'm sharing another deleted chapter from the novel. This one was deleted just because I felt it was a bit cheesy and it didn't really fit in with Sean's character. Sean is the main character in this flashback chapter. And don't worry, there are no spoilers for any other part of the novel here. Like the last one that I shared, this one also works quite well as its own little short story. And again, you can think about this as being set in some sort of alternate reality to the one that takes place in Dreams of a Damselfly. So here's this week's episode, Surprise. (music) 10A Lehman Street, Edinburgh, May 2011. He woke her up early. When his alarm had rung out, he hadn't hesitated to switch it off and get out of bed. That was unusual practice. Normally his alarm would sound and he would tap the snooze function to get another five minutes before having to haul himself slowly out of his warm, comfortable bed. And this ritual would usually only happen from Monday to Friday, the days he needed to get up. Today was Sunday. He hops rather gracefully out of bed stretching before noticing his girlfriend roll over from her side and glance up at him, confused. What time is it? she asked, sleepily. Seven o'clock. Rise and shine. She gave a startled, perplexed look. Reaching over to her bedside cabinet, she picked up her own phone and switched it on. Why are we getting up? she asked, a confused tone in her voice. It's a surprise, he said, smiling. Let's go, I'll make your breakfast. Sean had slept in his boxer shorts and an old t-shirt the night before. He opened his wardrobe and slipped on the first pair of jeans he could find, planning to change them later, when it was nearly time to reveal his secret. He burst through his bedroom door and into the kitchen rather more energetically than usual, popping a piece of bread into the toaster and switching the kettle on. "'Cup of tea?' Sean shouted through to the bedroom. "Uh, "'Um, yeah, please.' He could hear Paula putting clothes on and doing whatever else it was that women did in the morning. They'd just moved to their little bungalow in a quiet street where most of the residents were elderly. They had been together for 10 years now, moving into a flat when they were 23 and 21, and then finally finding this nice little house they had woken up in this morning. The 10 years had been full of wonderful and joyous moments filled with much love and plenty of humour. There had also been plenty of surprises, but none bigger than the one that Sean had planned for today. Right, mister, spit it out, Paula demanded as she entered the kitchen. What's going on? I'm a little suspicious of surprises when it's not even my birthday. Nothing to be suspicious about, Sean assured, squeezing Paula's tea bag and lifting it out of the cup. In fact, I can almost guarantee that you'll be pleased. Almost, Paula repeated. I don't like that. When someone guarantees something, they should never ever do an almost guarantee. Almost is a bit like an insurance policy. We can almost guarantee that this beef burger is made from 100% cow. Sean chuckled and finished stirring the milk into Paula's tea. Here, sit down, drink this and try not to worry about my almost guarantee. I've put through a bowl of your cereal. Paula took the cup from Sean and smiled. As he looked into Paula's eyes, Sean's heart skipped a beat the same way it did when they met ten years ago. Every time she smiled at him since, it had the same effect. He couldn't believe his luck in having a girlfriend who wasn't only beautiful in appearance, but also in heart and personality. He didn't know what Paula saw in him. 
He was just glad that she saw enough in him to want to be with him, and to smile at such small events as making a cup of tea. All right, Doctor Strange, Paula said. Are you not having anything? Almost as a reply, the toaster spat out a single freshly toasted piece of bread, which Sean took and instantly started eating. Paula looked perplexed. Just toast? No spread? Sean shrugged. It's what I've been advised to have. Sean had told the taxi driver to take them to Regent Road. No particular address, just the top of Regent Road. The driver had responded with, Ah, are you? before Sean stopped him. After informing the driver that today's event was a secret, the driver had chuckled and told Sean that it wouldn't be a secret for much longer. I'll not be able to take you right up to Regent Road, mind, the driver said. It'll be closed off to cars, but I can drop you off right next to it. Paula sat beside Sean in the back of the car, staring out of the window. It was a clear day, but a little windy. As they drew near to Regent Road, Paula noticed that lots of people were wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Initially, she had simply thought that it was rather a bit chilly to be wearing her shorts and a t-shirt, and then she remembered. Isn't it the marathon today? Sean grinned at her. Yup. You're not running in it, Paula said flatly. You would never manage it. Well, thanks for the kind words of encouragement, Sean joked. Paula laughed. I'll believe it when I see it. When the car dropped him off, the driver told them that Regent Road was just at the top of the hill. Sean paid the driver and Paula followed him as he exited the car, slinging a backpack over his shoulders. The driver wished him good luck and the pair walked slowly up the hill. Paula could already hear the sounds of hundreds or possibly thousands of people, along with loud music pumping out of what must have been a series of speakers lined up all along the long road. Well, Paula started, we're definitely going to the start line. Who's running then, my dad? What? Sean sounded surprised. Paula, I'm insulted. You think your 60-year-old father a more likely candidate to be running the Edinburgh Marathon than me? Paula slapped him on the arm. He's 57, and actually, yes, he's a much more likely candidate. I look forward to seeing him win today. When they arrived at the top of the hill, they were greeted to the scene of thousands of runners and supporters roaming the wide street, some warming up, some stretching, others just standing there looking either nervous or, in some cases, just completely normal, like they weren't about to endure the painful experience of running a marathon. One side of the street was sectioned off for the runners, with colourful banners indicating different zones. In between the songs they played, a voice boomed out with instructions to runners about bag drop areas, toilets, and the weather forecast for the day, which was unfortunately bad news for the runners and spectators alike. Sean dropped his bag to the floor and unhooked the belt on his jeans. Sean, Paula gasped. You can't strip off in public, you'll be arrested. He slid the jeans down and off of his legs, revealing a black pair of shorts. He crouched down and unzipped his backpack, taking out a pair of trainers and an envelope. Okay, Paula said. This is starting to look a little like you may have lost your mind. I hope it's in that envelope. Nope, Sean said. My mind is well and truly where it belongs. This is my race number. He pulled the folded number out of the envelope along with four paper clips, which he attached to his t-shirt. Paula noticed with humour that while the other runners around them were wearing t-shirts from other marathons or sporting events they had competed in, Sean wore his Hearts Football Club t-shirt. Also inside the envelope was a little round-shaped object with black straps looping into it. What's that? Paula asked. That's my tag, Sean responded. Ah, I see. So this is a race just for criminals. Sean laughed and looped it around his ankle. It's a timing chip. To record how awesomely fast I'm going to get past that finish line. Wait, Paula said, raising her hands. This is really happening. You're running the marathon. 
So it would seem, Sean said with a nervous chuckle. He stood up. I was thinking about running the Paris Marathon, but then I realised I didn't know the French for help me. You'd need more than that, Paula said. What about French for I can't feel my legs, or I think it's broken, or I may have gone insane? Or the most important one, Sean said. Two beers, please. Ugh, Paula gagged. I don't drink beer. Who said the second one was for you? When the voice through the speaker announced that there were only ten short minutes to go, the nerves truly sunk in. Sean had been told to go into the pink section, which, to his horror, was right at the front. Why have they put you at the front? Paula asked. She was standing next to Sean's backpack at the other side of the barrier, watching the sea of runners lining up behind her boyfriend. Sean shrugged. When you sign up, they ask you how long you think you'll take to finish. Paula's eyes widened. What did you put? Well, Sean began. I looked at what the elites finish in to get an idea. They're expected to finish today in just over two hours. So, Paula continued questioningly. I said three hours, Sean said. Paula threw her hands up to her face and laughed. Are you insane? Sean felt a little offended. What? Three hours seems totally legit. All I've got to do is keep running. Yeah, Paula agreed. However, the only time I've ever seen you run was playing a 20-minute game of football when you were 17. Plus, you're a smoker, she added with a little less humour. About that, Sean said, moving closer to the barrier. I've given up. For real this time. That's what some of today is about. I'm getting healthier. He leaned over and took Paula's hands in his. Looking into her beautiful eyes, Sean's heart skipped one more beat, and he remembered exactly what today was about. You're so beautiful, Sean said. I can't believe you're with a guy like me. I don't deserve you, but if you're going to be with me, I want to be able to look after you. No use in me getting cancer or something and then leaving you by yourself. I'm using this marathon as a start of getting healthy enough to look after you. I love you. Paula's eyes showed a surge of emotion before Sean couldn't see them anymore as he leaned over the barrier and placed a soft, warm kiss on his mouth. When they separated, Paula looks back into Sean's eyes. I love you too, she said. Just then, the voice boomed through the speakers once more. Okay, runners, we will be starting in just one minute, so please finish up those sports drinks, squeeze down your last energy gels and say goodbye to your supporters for now. Please make sure you are standing in your coloured area ready to go. Wait a minute, Paula said. Where are you running to? Musselbra, Sean said. I booked you a bus ticket. It's in the bag. See you there in three hours. Sean hadn't expected the atmosphere to help him any, but it did. After the countdown, he jogged through the start line to the enthusiastic applause from hundreds of gathered supporters. Some were carrying banners with slogans encouraging friends or family. Some banners were held up by small children. Sean noticed one particular family consisting of a mother with a young brother and sister who held up a sign which read, Run like the winds, daddy. He smiled as he passed the two young children eagerly watching for their father and thought that it would be nice one day to have Paula cheer him on with children of their own. The thought sent a pleasant shiver down his body. Once they were past the first load of supporters, they turned right, ran through a tunnel and headed towards the Scottish Parliament. So far so good, Sean thought. I'm not even out of breath yet. Several runners were already passing Sean with expert strides and expensive-looking gear. As he looked at their faces, Sean thought that they didn't look like they were even putting much effort in. Although he wasn't out of breath yet, he did feel like he was exerting himself a little. And there were still 26 miles to go. 
Maybe I should speed up a little bit. No, no, stick to your own pace. Don't let these guys make you think you need to be keeping up with them. You were placed into the front section, remember? There are plenty of people behind you. The route did a little loop back on itself and then went in a big straight line up Holyrood Park. This encouraged Sean a little more than having to crisscross around different streets. Now he really just needed to put his heads down and run. He watched the ground and the runner's feet in front of him, trying not to think about the miles in front of him. Hmm, starting to sweat a little bit now. wonder if it'll feel like it's passed quickly or if this is going to really drag. Guess I'll find out. He found out. When he was three miles in, Sean was feeling a little tired, and so he was glad to spot his brother, who had strategically placed himself at a relatively quiet end of the marathon, awaiting him. Sean jogged over to him and slowed to a stop. How are you feeling? Mike asked. Not too bad so far, Sean panted. A little tired, but the finish is just around the corner, isn't it? Mike smirked. You better change that shirt. Not everyone's a heart supporter. Do you have it? Sean asked. Of course I do, Mike replied. He handed Sean a fresh white t-shirt. This is a bit cheesy, you know. I know, Sean agreed, taking his football top off and taking off his racing number. But Paula will like it. He attached his number to the new t-shirt and put it on, handing the heart shirt to Mike before thanking him and running off to much applause from the onlookers. The new t-shirt simply had a picture of himself and Paula with some text that read, Proposing to my amazing girlfriend at the finish line. See you there. The race arrived in Musselburgh a lot faster than Sean had thought it would. The runners swiftly exited Edinburgh around mile eight and ran to the side of a long and striking beach, which Sean had barely known existed. The supporters remained enthusiastic, ever more so for spotting Sean's new t-shirt. Lots of well-wishers shouted messages of support and good luck. He even received many pats on the back and handshakes from other runners. Sean enjoyed the water stations. He was amazed at how much a single mouthful of water would instantly cool his body down. The weather wasn't particularly hot, but the miles and miles of running would be enough to overheat even the most experienced runner if they didn't take any water. He was starting to get the hang of taking the little bottle from one of the volunteers without spilling much and drinking while running. The race entered in an urban area that Sean wasn't familiar with. Here, the runners actually passed the finish line on the other side of the road, where Sean saw some of the half-marathon runners finishing. Lucky bastards. Why didn't I do the half instead? When the route was turned back to the beach, Sean saw the 30-mile marker and a message on the ground written in chalk which read in capital letters, Halfway. He hadn't felt at all tired until he'd read it. Looking around, he spotted Paula's friend Hazel and jogged over to her. She gave him three things. A hug, a message of good luck, and a small square box. After the runners had crossed the halfway point, the route ran a more or less straight line up beside the beach where it would end in a big loop and come straight back on itself. The elite male athlete who was in the lead passed Sean on the other side of the street to tremendous applause from the supporters and other runners. A few minutes later, the first elite female athlete passed to more cheering and clapping, and not long after that, the first of what Sean thought of as the normal runners came. It was hard to watch all of the people passing who were just on the other side of the street, yet in reality, miles ahead of Sean in the race. He began to think that he may have been slowing down a little, but the number of people who were passing him had definitely dropped, and he now began to be the one passing people. Every now and then the route would come to an area marked Relay Point, where Sean would envy some of the runners already finishing their shorter section to allow a teammate to run the next leg. Wish I'd known about that. As he approached mile 16, Sean's legs began to feel more tired and sore than he'd ever experienced before. 
They had seemingly left all of the urban areas behind now and were running up a long, narrow road. The monotony of seeing nothing but road, sand, trees and the intimidating look of waves crashing against the shore made the pain feel a lot worse. Sean was sweating quite badly now, despite the cool weather and the winds now picking up. Focus. Think of something other than the pain or exhaustion. Think about Paula's face when you get to the finish line. When he reached the 18 mile marker, he had to stop and walk for a little bit. He thought of it as a little breather, just something to give him a much needed burst of energy when he started running again. Half a mile later, he was still walking. Great, now everyone's passing me. Come on, Sean, let's get moving. With a great effort, Sean's legs began moving him forward at a jogging pace again. He couldn't decide whether the break had been good or bad. He felt somewhat refreshed, but the moment he had stopped running and started walking, a wave of pain had shot up his body and now remains there as a reminder of what happens should he decide to take another break. The next break didn't come until mile 21. The route had now turned through a forest and joining back onto the long roads that Sean had already run up. He had initially been quite relieved to see that there were hundreds of runners still behind him, but now the pain in his legs was becoming overpowering and his energy levels had taken a huge hit. Sean walked the entire mile until he came to the 22 marker. He'd almost thought about giving up, but two things stopped him. The thought of his future fiancée waiting for him at the finish line and the fact that he didn't know what he was supposed to do if he pulled out. Would he just sit on the side of the road and hope that someone would carry him to the finish? One way or the other, Sean would have to get to the end of the route. Sean! He heard the familiar voice of his brother come from the other side of the road, looked up and spotted his concerned face. Sean walked over to him. Feeling rough? Mike asked. He could say that, Sean admitted. I'm not carrying you to the finish line. Funny, Sean said. I was just thinking that. Here. Mike held out the final item that Sean needed, and Sean took it. Go. Finish this race, and propose to that poor woman you should have married by now. I believe in you, bro. I'll see you there. With that, Sean half-jogged, half-hobbled down the long, narrow road with a bouquet of shining yellow daffodils. Three hours indeed. Paula muttered to herself as she awaited her boyfriend at the finish line. She had been watching runners cross the finish line for over an hour and a half now, and was starting to get tired of making up names for the people finishing. Windswept Cotton Man had overtaken Red's Faced Tomato Girl when she had stopped her game. Every time someone appeared on the horizon with the same colour of t-shirt and shorts that Sean had been wearing, Paula's eyes widened in hope. She was happy to see that the supporters hadn't stopped clapping and cheering on the runners from the moment she had arrived. Some of them had been there for just about as long as she had, and they had barely stopped clapping. Their hands must have been aching. Many runners finished in tears and wrapped their arms around loved ones. Paula wondered how many of them were running their first marathon, just like Sean. When she caught the eye of some of the runners, she smiled at them. And most would return the smile. Some of them actually eerily looked like they knew who Paula was. She could have sworn she even saw one of the runners pointing her out to her supporter. Like some sort of horror film, she thought. Attack of the exhausted people. You may outrun them, but they will follow you for miles. Just then, Paula spotted a man who was about Sean's heights on the horizon. He was wearing the same black shorts that Paula remembered from just a few hours ago, but he had a white t-shirt on instead of the football top. She kept watching the man until he got closer, slowly realising that this was indeed her boyfriend. Oh my goodness, he's actually going to do it! 
she glanced at the big clock arched over the finish line. Five hours, 23 minutes. She thought about the jokes she could make concerning his predicted time, but decided against it. Her boyfriend was actually about to do something incredible. Go, Sean! Paula shouted cheerfully. Her smile was broad. Sean was close now. Looking extremely tired, he seemed unable to lift his legs very far from the ground, shuffling his feet forward one at a time with a pained expression on his face. Why was he wearing a white t-shirt now? Paula didn't recognise this t-shirt, and she thought she knew every piece of clothing that Sean wore. There was a picture on the front. As he drew her nearer, Paula could see that it was one of her favourite pictures of them together. Her heart warmed. But what was that writing underneath? Paula couldn't quite read the letters as Sean's feet took him closer and closer. And then the writing became very clear. The next few minutes appeared to go by very quickly. Sean looked up at Paula, his face initially a look of pain and discomfort. But as soon as he saw her, all of that faded away. It was as though Paula's simple presence was the cure for even the most lethal disease, the worst depression, the things that hurts the human soul the deepest. His face lit up in the sheerest expression of joy that Paula had ever seen. While the other runners made their way furiously to the finish line, crossing it with open arms, Sean took a different direction, sprinting as fast as his tired legs would carry him to Paula. Oh my God! Paula clasped her hands to her mouth. Her eyes began to water. Here, Sean said, gasping for breath, and handing Paula the bouquet of daffodils. While the attention of the onlookers at the end of a marathon should have been focused on the finish line, not one person could keep their eyes away from the couple. Sean took one of Paula's hands in his and dropped to one knee. Paula began to weep joyful, passionate tears. Paula, Sean panted. His voice was shaking. I love you so much. I had a big speech prepared, but I think I might pass out before I can get it out. Paula laughed while crying, which she would have thought was impossible before today. I'm just going to get straight to the point, Sean said, and opened the box to reveal a beautiful engagement ring. Will you marry me? Paula could hardly speak, so simply nodded at first, then let out a small squeak of a, Yes! The onlookers roared in applause as Sean stood up as quickly as he could, which wasn't very quick, flung his arms around Paula and kissed her. When they parted, Paula spoke. Get across the finish line, you idiot! The clock is ticking! Instead of doing as he was advised, Sean leaped over the barrier which separated them. I don't need a daft medal or a t-shirt, he said, and I certainly don't need a finish line, because I know that our marriage will never have one. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can check out my several other episodes or my book of short stories, Which Way is North, which is available in paperback, Kindle and audiobook formats. Links are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. And if you're on a platform that allows you to do so, please leave a rating and a review. See you next time.